So I wonder if there's anybody who gets to preach a sermon with the view that I get. It's insane. I mean, everybody look out there. It is nuts. It is so pretty. I like to preach with the view. What can I say? Um, hey, I know. And the one behind me is not bad either that you guys get. All right. Hey, welcome. Uh, this morning, I think that there's something for everybody this morning um, in this sermon. Um, I really hope it's uplifting, motivational, uh, just, just kind of lifts your spirits. And in order to do that, I actually I brought in a, a motivational speaker. And Dumber, I've done Princess Bride, and, and then finally this. Like, it, it feels good. It feels good to, to incorporate all of those into sermons at some point in time in my preaching. Uh, but today, today is dedicated to the sermon. This sermon is dedicated to... Those of us who feel like they haven't done jack squat in life, so that's the that's the connection, you know, like that that like and, and it's, I think like I said, I think there's something for everybody. As I think there's something for students this morning because a lot of times as students we start wrestling with what do I want to do with my life, and we don't always know the answer to that question. So it's it's for you guys. In fact, if 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 you're not a student, if you're an adult. Can I just give you a tip? I did youth ministry for I don't know how many years. Like, you can ask a kid in elementary school, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? That's a fair game question. You'll get a good answer. You'll, you'll get smiles. It'll be fun. Once a kid gets to middle school and high school, just don't ask that question. Okay? There's, a, there's something changes when we get to high school. And, and students, I'm with you on this. Like, can I just say to you students, you don't need to know what you want to do when you grow up when you're a teenager. How many of you actually knew, how many of adults in the room actually knew what you wanted to do when you were growing up, when you were a teenager? There's like two or three of you, okay? But like, like a lot of us, it takes years. It's like well into our 20s. Some of us spilled into our 30s trying to figure out what we wanted to do when we grow up. So like if you're a student and you're there, you know, like you don't know what you want to do with the rest of your life, that's okay. And today's for you. But it's also for us as adults that have grown up that maybe started off with this idea that we wanted to go out there and grab the world and put it in our pocket, and then slowly over time, that didn't happen, and all of a sudden, there are moments in time where we feel like we haven't done jack squat, that, or at the very least, and maybe not jack squat, but maybe... It, it just didn't pan out quite like we wanted it to. Like, like we had aspirations and we had visions. We had like, and vision's good. Vision's important. In fact, like without vision, we don't do well, right? But there's sometimes where we get a vision for what we want something to look like. And then when we get there, it doesn't look like that. Be it marriage, be it career, be it just any, lots of different things in life that don't go quite as planned. So today's for us, those of us who have felt that way, which we've all felt that way. And, and, but here today is also not just for like, I mean, I, I think today's for anybody, but I want to go a little bit more spiritual on this. Today is for those of us who don't feel like we've done big things for God. Because if you grew up in church, you grew up with it, like there's, there's I don't know if pressure's the right word, and, and it's, I grew up in church, and I don't think the people leading church did this on purpose, but there's this idea that if Christ is in you, if God is with you, you should do pretty big things. 
right? Like, like God, if God's with you, it should God-size our life in some ways. And, the, the, you know, there's a lot of scriptures that, like, a lot of verses in the Bible that kind of back this up, this idea that we'll be more than conquerors is one of the verses, or that we'll be ambassadors for Christ, that we will go and represent him in the world. Even Jesus' last words to his disciples that we've extended to ourselves in church is what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you know, as a kid, you hear that, and you're like, yeah, we'll go into all the world. And then you grow up, and you're like, the world's kind of big. <laughs> that's a lot. And that's a lot to carry. And we start to, to feel the, the, the pressure of that matched with what, we, what we're actually capable of. And it kind of leaves us feeling short. Is, is anybody tracking with me on this? Has anybody felt this like, like spiritually? Like, I just don't measure up. Like, I, I know that I'm supposed to, like, we serve a big God. Those are phrases that we use, right? And, it, 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 like, we get this idea that we should be doing big things. And a lot of times, we don't feel that way. We don't feel mighty. We don't feel like we're carrying armor, you know, or able to wield a sword. All this language, like think about all this language. And it's good language. I think I'm grateful for that language. But the reality is it does create this pressure that sometimes we just can't rise to. We can't fill those shoes. We can't fill those spiritual boots of, what is it? The boots of peace? Gospel of peace, something or other? Yeah, that one. We just, you know, I don't even know what it is. Like, so how would I fill it? You know what I mean? Like, like, like we feel this, this insufficiency. And there's this phrase I came across this week that I just love. And I think this might be the title of today's sermon. I want you guys to weigh in on this because i got a couple options. The unglamorous reality of my own life. That's too long. <laughs> the unglamorous reality of my own life. And I think we've all felt this at some point in time in some area of our life where it's just like, is this it? Is this what I signed up for? Uh, the unglamorous reality of my own life. And in a spiritual sense... We can come to this and, and come, come away with two different options. Like, if, if, if at first glance, we'd be like, all right, my life is unglamorous, so maybe the reason my life isn't glamorous and, or mighty or what, fill in the blank. Maybe glamorous isn't the right word, but fill it in with your word. Maybe it's not that way. Maybe it's not glamorous. It's not mighty because God's not with me. That's one of the options, right, is that, that maybe God's not with you. He's, uh, he's with other people. We see glamour. We see people doing mighty things. We see people that seem to, to be doing things for God. And so maybe God's with them, but maybe he's not with me. That's an option, right? And then here's another option. And I actually want you to try both of these options on because I think we can fall in one of two categories here. See which, one fit, see which shoe fits better here. The first one is maybe God's not with me, and that's why life isn't going that way. Or there's the other shoe that we could put on is maybe if, 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 if I was really following God, then life would be 
more glamorous, I'd be doing mighty things. You see there's a difference? We can blame God and like, okay, maybe, maybe it's this way because God ditched me. The other way that we play sometimes is, no, I think maybe God's with me, but I just haven't done enough. Like, like, like I, I just, I, I'm not following God, and if I was following God better, there'd be more glamour, there'd be more mighty, like, like, I'd be to where I think God has actually called me to be. Which side do you fall in? I want everybody, before we move on, to think about which side of the equation you fall on. Is it very clear on the two? Either I'm not doing enough, I'm not following God faithfully enough, and that's why life isn't panning out like I want it to. Because obviously God is good and he's called me to mighty things, so if he's called me to mighty things and God's good, then obviously I'm doing something wrong. That's option one. Option two is, no, God's just, I think I've been faithful, but God's just ditched me. Which side do you fall on? Should we do, it? Should we do a show of hands? Oh, are you going to play the both card? <laughs> Let's pretend there's not a both category. Raise your hand if you fall, if you fall on the side of, and, I, and I'm not counting. You can raise your hand for both, I guess. But raise your hand if you, if you feel like I haven't been faithful enough. That's, that's the category I fall in. Like, I don't think God's ditched me. I think God's faithful. I just haven't been faithful. Thank you for your honesty. And then let's see, let's raise a hand if you feel like God hasn't been faithful. Or both. Yeah, okay. So without, 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 um, yeah, so like, like without, I don't want to leave that without that, thinking about those two things. But I want to, I want to say this. Is it possible that there's a third option? And it's not both. Is it possible that the, the fact that sometimes we come to points in our lives where we're not where we wish we were, that that actually has nothing to do with God being unfaithful, nor it might not have to do with the fact that we have not been faithful, that we aren't, you know, like it has nothing to do with the fact that we aren't working hard enough. Is it possible that there's the third option. Um, and that the third option really has to do with a disconnect. Is it, let's just, I, I just want to roll with something for a second. And I'm not saying that this is actually the case, but just like try, try this shoe on for a second. Is it possible, if, think of an area of your life where you wish things were different, you wish you were further, you wish it was mightier, wish it was more glamorous, but you're faced with the unglamorous reality of your life at this point right now. Is it possible that you have been faithful and God is faithful, but we just had, there's a disconnect between how, and, well, actually back up, you've been faithful, God has been faithful, but we just have the wrong view of where we're at. Is it possible? I just want you to try this on. Is it possible that in your spiritual walk, let's talk about your spiritual walk here for a second, that you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now? That, that you, you, like, that, that you, 
are exactly where God wants you to be right now. And, and, and keep in mind, he's not finished. This is, you're not going to stay there because that's not what God does. But, you know, like maybe God's view of his child, you started here when you came to me, when you brought your life to me. If, if you've brought your life to Christ, if you've brought your life to God and say, I give it to you because I, I, I'm a mess, I need you. If you started here, and now you're here, and maybe you would love to be here, but God's view is, yes, I know you'd love to be here, but child, you're right here, and and you're growing. What if that option was an option for us? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, though. I I just, I, I I, I wanted to present that to you because what if, what if it's really about measuring? And we have a measuring tool, you know, that measures, let's just say it measures feet, and God measures in meters or centimeters. That's probably what it would be, right? Because, like, the rest of the world uses centimeters, and we use feet, and we think the rest of the world is weird could be very well the disconnect I'm talking about. Is, is the difference between metric and imperial? Is that what it is, those two things? But, but isn't it, is it possible that, that we're measuring our life a certain way with a certain ruler, and we're not seeing growth, but God's like, no, but I, I'm, I'm measuring life differently. Like, yes, you, you, you're saying that if life was good, it'd be this way, but what if God's like, no, 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 like, I'm, I know what I'm doing, God of the universe, creator of you, creator of me. I know what I'm doing. I have a will for your life, and I'm growing in you the way I want. What if that was a possibility? Um, and what if, what if really what's happening is we're just, discon- like, our view of ourselves isn't correct. How do we align that with his view? I mean, like, imagine, like, um, have you ever, for those who drive, have you ever had a car that had um, a steering wheel or wheels that were out of alignment? It's, it's crazy making, isn't it? Like, you're, you'd let go of, you'd let go of the, the wheel, it just goes like that. Or, like, you find you're driving on a straight, you know, like one of those Utah straight highways, and you're like this. You know, like, you're like, I, I should probably get this fixed. That's the disconnect I want us to feel this morning. Is what if our view of ourselves isn't God's view of ourselves? And what can you do, what can we do to align it? The verse I want us to look at today, and you've got Bibles around you, is in fa- it's found in Philippians And it's an alignment type of verse. I could have used so many different verses for this idea of like helping us see helping us see ourselves the way God sees us. There's a really classic as you turn to Philippians. And when you get someone gets to Philippians, go ahead and tell us what uh, page that's on in the Bibles. 1178. Um I could have used the verse out of, of 1 Samuel uh, 16, 
If you grew up in church, you remember David, David and Goliath before David and Goliath. David was like, he was was a kid. He was a kid when the Goliath thing happened too. But before the Goliath thing happened, he as a kid, kids, imagine this. Imagine like somebody coming to your house one day and saying, you're going to be king of the United States. Like just kind of proclaiming that over you. Like I know it's weird because we don't have a king, but it's, it's, it, it wouldn't, him saying, the prophet saying you're going to be president of the United States, it wouldn't work. It, it doesn't have the same ring, and it doesn't work the same, like that's not how you become president, right? But imagine a prophet coming and telling you as a kid, like David would have been about the age, like the average age of the kids in the room right now, that's probably how old David was when Samuel came. And, and he came and, and God had told Samuel, hey, out of this household, this guy named Jesse, one of his sons, he's got a bunch of sons, he's going to, you know, one of those sons is going to be the king. And, and Samuel's like, sweet, let's do this. Goes to Jesse's house, and he sees this guy named Eliab, I think. Yeah, one of, one of David's older brothers. David's one of the younger kids. And, El, and Eliab's around there, and he's like, Samuel sees him, and he's like, oh, now that's got to be my guy. There was just something about him that screamed kingship, right? And, and um, there's this really cool moment in, in 1 Samuel 16, we're not going to look at it today, where God, actually like, God takes a T with Samuel. He's like, wait, I see where, Samuel, I see where you're going with this, like you're drawn to this Eliab guy, time out. I want you to know something about me. You know, Samuel, you, if you and I are going to work together, I want you to know something. You look at the outward appearance. Man or humans or people, they look at outward appearance. But I look at the heart. That God literally says that to Samuel in this pivotal moment. He's like, let me show you what I'm thinking. And then he goes and chooses this little kid. And says, you're looking at you're like something about Eliab just look like a king. But, but that's not what I'm after. I'm looking at the heart. I could have preached on that. that could, I should have preached on that. That would actually preach pretty good. I actually kind of just did it, didn't I? But the verse I want to, I could, I could have gone to Jesus too. I could have gone to Psalms. I could have, like, Psalms have a lot to say about what God's really looking for. Jesus, his whole life, he looked, he went around and, and, and kind of showed us what God is looking for in people. He'd be like, 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 the disciples would be like, obviously you want to pick this guy. And he's like, no, we're going to pick this guy. Because God doesn't look at outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And, and, and the, point, the point of that is God looks at our lives differently than he looks, like, like God looks at our lives differently than we look at our lives. Meaning, meaning he looks at the outcomes and the status, and if we're in the right place, he looks at the glamour differently than we look at the status and the outcomes and the glamour. See, we think if, we're, if God is with us or if I'm following God correctly, it should produce something. It should have a product that looks a certain way. And God's, the, the scriptures are quick to remind us, no, God looks at different things. And Jesus did this all the time. He's like, you, you're looking at this, I'm looking at that. You're looking at what's on the surface, I'm looking at what's in the heart. Which is really good news for us when we start to measure ourselves. Because it's really about what's going on in the heart. But here's what, the passage I want us to look at today is out of Philippians. And this is, um, this is a letter 
that Paul wrote to his friends in the, the city of Philippi. And I've, I've, we've talked about this before. There are times where Paul is, is very capable of getting on people's cases and just being like, you guys, you got it all wrong. And, and let me tell you how you got it all wrong. And then he spells it out in a letter. And, and then he hits send and it gets sent to wherever, you know. And it's scathing, and it's, 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 it's words that are hard to swallow. It's words that probably people wanted to tear up when they saw it. This is not one of those letters. Philippians is not one of those letters. It, I, I would, I'd like to say it, it seems like you could almost say that Paul's in a good mood when he writes this. But I think Paul was in a good mood when he was ripping someone a new one too. I, I just think he was just like, hey, I, I, I'll, I'll give to people what they need to hear. And in this case, he's like, you know, when it comes to the people in Philippi, they're doing a lot right. And I just want them to be encouraged. You're going you're gonna to feel this here in a second. Because we're going to pick up in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Look, just even look in this first verse. We have it up on the screen, too. I thank my God every time I remember you. See, see Paul's just like, hey, I want to think of you guys. It's like it's Thanksgiving week. You know, I was, at, I was eating a turkey the other day. Paul, this is Paul now. I was eating a turkey the other day for Thanksgiving. They didn't celebrate Thanksgiving, but just go with it for a second. And I was thankful. You know what I, you said? I was, we were going around the table saying what we were thankful for. And Paul's like, I said I was thankful for you, Philippi. I, I, I thank God every time I remember you. This is, this, is, this is Paul. But, okay, as I read the rest of it, I want you to picture that, that the people of Philippi are wrestling with the very thing that we're wrestling with today. And these words are for, for them. Paul recognizes that they don't feel like they're measuring up. And he wants to confront that with this verse. Just pretend, just, just imagine that for a second. Imagine that these are people who don't feel like they measure up. They're, they're, they're people that are trying to follow Jesus, but they're, they're discouraged at times and they don't feel like they're following him all that well. Or they feel like God has deserted them. Okay, just pretend that for a second. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, and this is the, this is the key verse. Philippians, I want you to be confident of something. That he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians, Philippians, people of Philippi, I know you started here, you're following Christ, you feel like you're right here, but you, you wish you were right here. But I want you to know something. That he who began with you down here, he will be faithful to complete to when you're up here. Let's keep reading. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending or in confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Everybody say the word grace. Here's the, here's the important part that Paul's trying to remind them of. If, if, if indeed there are people that are trying to strive or they, they feel stuck or they don't feel like they're as far as they should be. They, don't, they feel like they don't measure up. Paul's trying to remind them of two things. What did he just remind them of? That, that God's going to what? He's going to complete what he started 
He's faithful to complete. And then second of all, that there's grace along the way. Let's read that again. It is right for me to feel, verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you, all of you, not just me, not just me, Paul, who you look up to, who you think God is with, who you think God is doing mighty things through, which he is, but all of us share in God's grace. God can testify how, long, how I long for for all of you with the affection of Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of, of God. Now, pay attention. This is, he's, look at verse 9. This is my prayer for you. Everybody just pause. Don't look at that, actually. I just told you to look at it. Stop looking at it. Verse 9, and this is my prayer for you. These are people, let's just imagine for a second, these are people who don't feel like they're measuring up. And Paul says, this is my prayer for you. In fact, let's just, let's just do this for a second. What would Paul's prayer be for you? If it is, as, as we're people who don't feel like we measure up from time to time, what might, might be Paul's prayer for you? Is it to measure up? <laughs> is it to, you know, I, I just pray that you're able to pull your bootstraps up and, and get on it. Get your crap together, you know, repent, you know, like, like spend more time in prayer, whatever. Like, like, like what is it? Like, because that, that's what we think, Right? If we're struggling and we want to be up here and we're down here and we're, and we're in the category of like, it must be me, I must work harder, would you pray that I work harder? <laughs> would you pray that I'd be more faithful? Would you pray, and, and these are all good prayers, but, but let's listen to what his prayer actually is. And this is where, it, see, I think, this is, I think this will help us align with how God views us. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's it. And these are, these are he just said, you're my coworkers, you're my partners in ministry. I left you guys, this is what Paul did, he'd come into a town, preach the gospel, people would receive it, and, he, and they'd be like, yay, we're going to stay like this forever, right? And he's like, nope, I'm leaving next week. Got to go to another town but you guys have what it takes because Christ is in you and he's growing in you. And he said, so you're here representing, you're ambassadors for Christ. He would tell them about that. He'd tell them about, uh, he, he wrote the ambassador piece. That was him. He would tell them about the great commission, I'm sure. You know, uh, Jesus says to live a life and go and make disciples. Go, you guys, now that Christ is in you, mighty things are in your future. He would say that. And then to people who are, to these mighty people say, you know what, I, my real prayer for you is, is what? It's that you would just love more. Grow in knowledge. And that is it. And I'm here to, to tell us today, nothing has changed. 2,000 years later, 
And I know, dude, oh, and, and I, I'm the type of person, I'm, I'm partly to blame for this. Church is a complicated thing. There's, there's a lot to this thing, to the spiritual life that we, we talk about and want to live. It can be, seem really complicated. And, and probably people like me have complicated it. But in reality, and I, guys, I just, the older I get, the more I dig into this and, and I dig into to what church is really about and ministry and, and, and living a life according to the will of God the more I'm just starting to, to like, the, the clearer it becomes, it's simpler than we think. It's just to love better. That's it. I say this to you guys all the time of, of how we define spiritual maturity here at Colorado Life Church. It's really simple. Can you look back from a year, from a, a year like, like in the year past, do you love more? Do you love God more than you did a year ago? Do you, uh, do you love, the, do you have do you, uh, uh, even just a couple of relationships where I actually love them more than I did a year ago? A year ago, I, I, and I have a couple of these like that God has really, I've, I, in the last five years, there's people that were just difficult for me. And I bring that up to God. I was like, they're difficult for me. I don't want that, but they are. Would you help me? see them differently. And God answered that prayer, and I love them better than I did a couple years ago. Do you love people better than you did a couple years ago? Are you more generous than you were a year ago? And, and for students, that can be like even like yours, your years are probably more like months. Do you love God more than you did three months ago? Uh, do, you, do you love your friends better than you did two months ago? <laughs> do you, do you love? Are you loving your parents better this week than you did last week? That's maturity, because that's all that God asks from us. God does not ask for us to control the outcomes of our lives. We can't. All He asks us is day in and day out to love him more. I want to talk about this, this, this path here. Like, um, uh, where did I put it? Here, 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 here. He, this is for those of us, coming from this verse, these are for those of us who are wrestling with the unglamorous un reality of our lives at times. The step we need to take to, to realign with the way that God looks at us. Because I really don't think, I think God looks at where you are in life and says, you're right where you're supposed to be. And you can, you can push back. You can be like, yeah, but I haven't thought about you in weeks. <laughs> I haven't prioritized anything spiritual, God, any time recently. Do you still feel like I'm right where you are? And he's like, you know what? I can roll with that. Why? Grace. Yeah, you haven't thought about me much in the last couple weeks. Here's a new week. Tomorrow's a new week. Pursue me. And if next week, at the end of next week, you can like, dang it, I did it again. That's okay. Here's another wave of grace. See if you can surf this one. Come to me and say, yeah, I didn't think about you at all this week. And just try. That's, that's all he asks of us. Is to just keep coming back. And to try to love, people, love him more and love people better. And if, if, for those of us who are wrestling with, with this, the unglamorous reality of our lives, this, I think this is what we should do based on what we just read. We should receive grace 
Go ahead and put that up on the board. And then we should surrender our outcomes. If, we're, if, we're feeling in, if you're feeling at all inadequate when it comes to spiritual things, that's okay. Shake it off and receive grace because it's offered. He knows it. He knows you haven't pursued. He knows you haven't been faithful. He knows you haven't done your best. And that's okay because of the cross. He's taking care of that. So receive that grace. It's okay to start over and say, Lord, can I have a fresh start? Yes, you have it right now. You have it tomorrow. Receive grace, and then as you move forward, surrender the outcomes. Lord, I want it to look like this. If I'm following you and, and, and you're calling me to mighty things, then, dude, you know, like, like th- it should look this way. And we need to surrender those to God and say, no, I, I'm not, outcomes are not my department. They're yours. God of the universe you're the king, I'm not. I'm the servant. We need to receive grace, and as we move forward, surrender the outcomes. And the result is, over time, we will align with God's view of ourselves. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, like, like it's this simple. Tomorrow your job is wake up in the morning and love God. Put the next one up. Love God, love others. Once we've received grace and we surrender the outcomes, then our job, then it's like, okay, God's like, what do we need to do next? All right, tomorrow morning, it's Monday, I want you to wake up and I want you to love me, says God, and I want you to love others. That's it. Can, can we just all sigh and just go, that's it. Tomorrow you can win just by doing this. And here's the great thing. You don't even need to do it perfectly. Why? Because there's grace. So tomorrow, you're going to get to, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and pray, okay, God, help me to love you and love others. And at the end of the day, you're going to do some of that right, and you're going to be like, dang it, I missed it on that one. Swing and a miss. Right? And you come to God and say, I need to receive your grace. And I surrender the outcomes. And then you wake up the next day, and you love God, and you love others. Guys, here's the thing. I can't stress this enough. It seems too simple, but this kind of love has changed the world. And I would argue it seems too simple, and yet can we all agree that this kind of love is what, exactly what the world needs right now? We don't need a bunch of people doing mighty things. Because I know what some of you are thinking, because you're, you're like me. You're like, wait, 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 hold on. What about greatness, though? What about striving? What about, like, like your, your pushback is, but aren't we supposed to lead? Aren't we supposed to drive? Aren't we supposed to do mighty things? And, and, and here's the thing. Yes, we are absolutely, why we're in this conundrum, why we're even having this conversation is because it is written on my heart and yours to do mighty things. And we will. But can we all agree, can we all agree that doing mighty things without doing this first is terrible. Can we all agree that it's really easy to get the cart before the horse on this and long for accomplishment, long for mighty things? In fact, even can we just all just level set here for a second? The mighty things that you desire to do spiritually for the Lord, like, like see people come closer to him, like, like, like the prayer that you have for somebody in your family, like, Lord, answer that prayer. 
It's not altruistic, is it? A lot of times we long for those mighty things so that we can feel better about ourselves. And God says, yeah, I see that. And that's why we're going to do it in my time, not yours. Because I love you too much to allow that stuff to happen, to build you up into a person who turns into a monster doing really good things. God doesn't want that. That's not his will for our lives. And so he says, we're going to crawl before we walk. So your job tomorrow is not to worry about the outcome and the mighty things. It's to love me and love others. And that's it. And if you do that tomorrow and Tuesday and to the end of the week, guess what? You got a really good week. And there might not be anybody on the other side of it saying, well done. Oh, my gosh, can, you, can we just play back that reel of what he did at work on that Tuesday afternoon where he just turned the other cheek and ro- let it roll off his back and didn't tell his boss off? No one's going to do that. There's no glamour in that. But it's a good week. And it's a foundation for a good month, which is a foundation for a good year, which sets us up, if we just can link years together where we're loving God and loving others well, there will be a time at the end of our lives when we're not even there to hear it, dead, we'll be dead at our funerals, and people will look back and they'll say, look at what God has done in this life. It was mighty. And it was, and we don't even know how because it was just all these small little acts of faithfulness and love. Can you guys see this? Isn't this just beautiful? This is God's will for our lives. And the beautiful thing is we don't have to worry about the outcomes. We don't have to manufacture greatness or that things are doing good. We just need to love and be faithful day in and day out. And he will take the rest. And we'll, and we'll stand back at the end of our lives. In, in heaven, we'll be looking down at our funeral like, I did that? I don't remember doing, God, God I did that? And he's like, well, you kind of did. But really, I did it through you. Because I'm the God of the universe. I'm sovereign. And I'm in charge. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that good? Can we just rest in that this morning? In fact, let's, this is how I want to rest in that. I want you to close your eyes. Oh, be, wait, don't close your eyes. Where'd it go? Where's my book? Has anybody seen a really cool-looking book? That. Thank you, Timmy. All right. This book... It was, it was uh, actually inspired this sermon because there's, it's a prayer book. It's a book It's called Every Moment Holy. If I had enough money, you, there would be one of these for each of you underneath your tree this year for Christmas. But I don't, so you're not going to get that. <laughs> but you might want to buy it yourself um, because it's a really good book, and it's just a bunch of prayers. And this prayer is for, it's literally titled, let me see what, for a, a prayer for those who have not done great things for God. And it starts with the person who, does, who doesn't, it starts with the voice of the person who feels like they haven't done great, great things for God. And they're like, man, and that's actually where I got the, uh, the unglamorous reality of my own life, that phrase and that kind of stuff. And then that person gets done praying their kind of their woes and their lament. 
And then there's another person who's the intercessor in this book who starts praying for them. And what I want to do, it's a, it's a little lengthy, and I just want to pray this over you. I want you to close your eyes, and, I, and now you can close your eyes, actually. And I'm just going to pray this over you, and just, just, just feel it as I pray. Oh, child of God, listen well and be comforted this morning. He has never judged you unfit for any service he has called you to. For it is in Christ's righteousness he has clothed you. And his measure of greatness has never been your own. If you pray to do great things for God, then you must pray such prayers without regard for how they should be answered. Pray them knowing that in his true and holy reckoning, such greatness will most often be expressed in a long practice of humble and sacrificial servanthood. I'm going to read that again, even though we're in the middle of a prayer. Pray them knowing that in his true and holy reckoning, greatness, such greatness will most often be expressed in a long practice of humble and sacrificial servanthood and not in any pursuit promising a rise to power, position, or prestige. You have till now been too invested in the results of your own efforts, as if those outcomes were a thing you could ever know or measure in this life. Be invested instead, child, in simple obedience to your king and in a long faithfulness to his call. He will bring all the things right in his way and in his time. All he asks is your willingness. Your heart is in his hands. Your ways are in his hands. Your days are in his hands. He attaches no numbers to your service. It is your heart and faithfulness he appraises. I want you to think about tomorrow. And all you have to do tomorrow is love God and love those around you as well as you know how to right now and you won't do it perfectly. And that's okay. And if you don't do it perfectly, come back to him and say, God, help me do it better. And then wake up the next day and love him and love those around you as well as you know how. That's it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. the highest throne, welcomed by a melody, an anthem I have always known, a song that's always been in me, oh 
Face down on the floor, all to echo. 